0: This is In the Wings with CTC, produced as a part of Connective Theatre Company's network of podcasts. Thanks so much for listening.
1: And welcome everyone, welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. Welcome to In the Wings with CTC. My name is Joshua Miller and I have the honor of moderating this conversation today, which is about theater education. Um, And I guess we should say theater education during uh, COVID-19 as well. Um, I have some awesome, awesome people here with me today. So before we get started, um, if you guys don't mind go ahead and introducing yourself, just tell us uh, what you do.
2: Hi, my name is Cheryl Frazier, and currently I am the Director of Test Adjudication at Southland College Prep Charter High School. I know that sounds impressive, but it really isn't. Um, My main uh, uh, job there is to oversee all of the standardized testing that we uh, do with the students. Um, I'm also the Head Speech Coach at Southland College Prep. Uh, formerly the Director of Forensics and Theater, also at Southland College Prep.
3: Hi everyone, so my name's uh, John Panarelli. Um I am going into my ninth year teaching over at Niqua Valley High School, which is in Naperville, uh, Illinois. Um, during the day, I teach uh, mostly English, uh, sophomores and seniors, and then uh, I do also teach a theater elective class, um, and then extracurricular-wise, um, I also was uh, not the head speech coach at my school, but I was an assistant coach, and that was really fun, uh, but now I'm the head uh, theater director at, at Um and every spring, I actually am the one who directs the school musical, so th- that's a little bit about me and my experience.
1: Awesome. And Naya Naya on fire. <laughs> Hello.
0: My name is Naya Ware. I'm a rising senior at Southland College Prep, and I am a member of the speech team that Ms. Frazier coaches. Whoop,
1: whoop. And I guess I should probably give a brief introduction of myself as well. So my name is Joshua Miller. I am a Chicago artist. Um, I'm currently a teaching artist with Chicago Dance Ensemble Theater. Um, and I've been doing that for about two years now. So I actually just finished up our um, summer camp session not a, about a week ago. So we are looking forward to the beginning of the school year, which is uh, essentially what we are here to talk about. I guess my first question to you all is... Uh, When everything happened with COVID-19, essentially what were, um, and Naya, you can even talk from a student's perspective, what was kind of like the state of mind that everyone was in from teaching to going to school to how are we going to do this?
2: Um, Well, for me, um, I I think when it became very obvious and and, uh, kind of scary that this was real and that something was happening is when they canceled the ihsa state series for speech uh for a uh, drama and group and terp um and actually the kids knew before i knew because i had scheduled a rehearsal on uh, march sixth, which was about a week before everything shut down uh which was pulaski day and uh, i got to school eight o'clock no kids were there i'm like where are these kids you know um and <laughs> and i actually uh had not looked at my email the night before because I was in a production myself. I didn't get home till midnight, so I didn't check my email. Uh, and then when I finally, you know, went to my group chat to tell them where are you, you're late. That's when I saw the the uh, communication about the cancellation, and I was like, wow, this is this is real, you know. So uh, yeah. it was a little jarring uh, because you know that you know they they don't cancel speech drama for anything, anything yeah. so that's when i knew yeah. this is this is real and this is very serious
0: yeah i think i was the same i think that was the big point for me cuz we were literally it was like a week before we were supposed to perform and I remember sort of like they had a petition going around where we were trying to, like, get them to reinstate it because we just really didn't understand how serious what was happening. <laughs> what was yeah. going on, yeah. So I just – I didn't really believe that it was real. I just thought that everyone was jumping the gun. And a lot of my friends, we all just thought, okay, this is something It's going to go away quickly. They're just trying to be adults. But it actually was something really big and serious. So.
3: Yeah, and for me, I was actually in the – um uh, towards the end of our musical uh, rehearsal process. And uh, we got the news at Neuqua about, I don't know, look like at the end of seventh period. And it was a very surreal thing. Like you guys talked about and cause it's obviously it's, it's unprecedented um, in that way. And you know, a lot of things were getting canceled, but for us, it was like, okay, well we're just kind of postponed for a while uh, because I my principal kind of felt like, okay, well, you know, sports is one thing because you're kind of going to different facilities, but like we're kind of in charge of our own destiny here in that way. Um, and I, it, it really felt weird because then it was like, all right, so it's middle of March. We go up in April. We're like at a good point to, I guess, pause if we had to, me included, all the, all the students and, and directors, we all had to kind of make sure that we were still like able to like kind of rehearse at home. Uh, hey, keep reviewing your lines, keep reviewing your your music and review your choreography uh, because as soon as we come back to school, we might be, you know, debuting a, a show or, or whatnot. Um, eventually it got canceled. Uh, weirdly enough, the show it was Wizard of Oz and then like the whole phrase is like, oh yeah, there's there's no place like home, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, uh, right. <laughs> but, you know, and, and I felt terrible for for our seniors, so what did we do? We, we kind of put together a quick little like parody of Wizard of Oz, like Quarantine Edition, you know, and we just posted it on like our theater website. But, it, you know, it's still not the same. It's not the same, you know, because you're actually doing it in person and all that. And then at the end of the school year, you know, uh, for us, we get out towards the end of May and it was just very anticlimactic. We're like, OK, uh, end of the school year, I guess I nothing changes for me. I'm still in my house.
1: Yeah. And if you all could speak to, what was that transition like for you all going from being in person with all of your students to now having to do things digitally? Like, um, uh, Fraser, I know you were talking about, you know, being in the middle of getting ready for a competition.
2: For the IHSA to cancel uh, something that huge, knowing that it's already a short season, um, that's what made me realize this this is very serious, you know. Uh, and again, surprisingly, like I said, I was in the middle of a of a production myself, uh, which I was still going to uh, after the cancellation of the IHSA State Series. Um, our last our closing weekend actually was the the weekend where when everyone shut things down and we actually, kind of went past the deadline you know there were a lot of theaters closing their productions but it was our closing weekend so we just went on and and closed on that on that sunday but i mean not only were we in the process of you know preparing for sectional uh, we also had students who had just um, participated in the district competition for the national speech tournament and so all of that, you know, also came into question. Um, and really very quickly, I think, that organization realized that they would not be able to host a, a national tournament of that magnitude because there are thousands of students that would come to that tournament. And, 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 I, and I think actually to their credit, because they were so uh, forthright in thinking that this this we probably won't be able to do this, they took that time to create um, a platform to still hold the national tournament virtually, and it actually turned out very nicely.
1: So Naya, as a uh, a rising senior, what are you kind of uh, I guess looking forward to, but also wondering how it's going to work going into your classes for next year?
0: Yeah, well. I really, I'm one of those weird kids who I love going to school, so.
1: Yeah, me too. I was the same Yeah, I
0: really, I'm looking forward to starting senior year. Like, it's supposed to be a really big year, but I am really wary. I'm wondering, like, what is this senior year going to look like? We start class on Monday, and I don't know what's going to happen at all. But I'm also really excited because I feel like with everything going virtual um, and I'm starting to apply to colleges, I'm able to get, and connect with um, a lot of universities that I probably wouldn't have been able to if everything wasn't virtual. Yesterday I was able to do an interview and usually their interviews they have to be in person but we were able to do it over Zoom and it went really well so I'm sort of looking forward to maybe more of those positive aspects but it's really a lot of uncertainty and still up in the air definitely.
1: Yeah it's definitely challenging and you know even working in so for the job I work as a teaching artist, we work mostly with um, Chicago public schools. It was very weird hearing from you know one of my other jobs that oh you know don't come in tonight, uh, you know everything has been canceled up until December. We'll you know let you all know. And then going into CPS and seeing half of my students there, and then the other half, I'm like, okay, they stayed at home and trying to figure out what was going on with that situation as well. And even bringing that up, uh, so what have uh, your prospective uh, institutions that you work for, what are you guys' game plan into going into the future for this upcoming school year? Are you doing hybrid? Are you in person? Is it going to all be remote? We started uh thinking that we would be able to do a hybrid plan with
2: the kids coming in two days a week and uh, remote three days a week. But uh, based on the recent guidelines from the IDPH, uh, it, it's just impossible to have in-person instruction based on the guidelines and based on the things that they expect us to do. And so last week, uh, our superintendent did announce that we would be all remote starting out Um, probably for the first quarter. I know that all of the other schools surrounding us had already made that decision uh, to go remote. So um, it's just really in line with what everyone else is doing. Um, But because we knew that we were gonna go partially remote anyway, we have done an excellent job, I think, of preparing the teachers Uh, It's not, it's not like in March where this was just dropped on us and we had like a day (laughs) (laughs) to prepare. Uh, (laughs) And so uh, this is a lot different where we already knew we were going to go partially remote. Uh, The teachers have been thoroughly trained on Google Classroom and the entire Google suite. And so they have a lot more resources and a, a, a lot more tools Uh, to use to make virtual learning possible, and I I, I believe it's going to be a a challenge, but I I think that the students will be okay, and I think the teachers will be okay.
1: And what are some of the things that some of the parents are expressing? Because I know parents are kind of like in that in-between space because it's like, while you want your children to be safe, you also still have to think about, oh, well, I have to go to work and, you know, I might have younger children and they can't stay home by themselves and grandparents live somewhere else. What are some things and concerns that you guys have uh, heard from parents?
2: Surprisingly, because of the role I'm in, one of the things that they did was take a poll of the parents to see what percentage of the demographic wanted to go remote, what percentage wanted to go hybrid. Uh, And it was about half and half, uh, and that was at the high school level. Uh, We are also kind of partnering with an elementary school district as well. Our superintendent is also the superintendent of an elementary school district, and the elementary school district, however, was uh, the opposite, where only about 30% of those students wanted to uh, come to school and in some schools it was even lower than that it was about 20 percent but as we got closer and closer to the beginning of school for high school we had more and more parents calling in saying i want to change from hybrid to remote and i think they were responding to what's going on in the news and so i i think it was really just a matter of time before those numbers would have come down anyway but their, you know, their main concern is how do you social distance in a high school? You have students that, you know, we're changing classes. It's a little different than elementary school where, you know, you can put those kids in pods and they can stay in those pods for the entire day. That's not true of, of the high school experience. So I, I have not really heard any concerns about, you know, uh, working parents or I don't know what to do with my kids if, you know, I think they
3: really were concerned more with the health and welfare of their children. One thing from my from my district, so we are starting off remote all the way through October 30th, which is the first quarter, um, and then they're going to reassess. Uh, they'll probably reassess some point in early October to give everyone else more time you know and and like you said Cheryl it's 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 one thing to end a school year the way that we did it's another way to start it at first we were going to do kind of like a like a hybrid like hey some kids will come in a few times a week or you can have your student be just solely online for the whole semester but then as things you know started progressing a little bit then yeah we just moved to the full online model and Something that through like listening to our like district boards and just, you know, conversations, it's also it's very interesting to hear what parents think we teachers do all day. And I get it because it's like, OK, like, you know, my parents, when they went to school, it was straight lecture, you know, and a lot of parents, were you know, say, you know, oh, just give us the content. Well, content and curriculum are not the same things. Right. You know, it's not just a park and bark, uh, for 50 minutes. And then a kid uh, goes to math now. I mean, yeah, there might be a lesson where you have to do a lot of direct instruction, but that's not every day, a lot. It's so collaborative and, you know, and, and that's part of uh, the high school experience. And, you know, one of the questions that I had was, okay, I can control what goes on in my classroom, but then that passing period, what are you going to do during then? And then there's inevitably going to be one kid who's like, I don't want to wear my mask. Uh, I can't breathe. It's like, yeah, well, you know, that's, that's the least of our concerns right now. You know what I mean? Like you could just go to your next class and things like that. And I, and I get it. Parents want the socialization with, with other kids, but it's like, oh, well during lunch periods, the kid's going to be sitting alone anyway at lunch. So it's really not, it's not that social. (laughs) Uh, so it's just very like, you know and it's kind of a a damned if you do damned, if you don't, you know, everyone wants to go back to school, but then you know what? As soon as that one kid tests positive and it's a real bad case, then it's everyone it's, it's all the teacher's fault or it's all, it's like, Oh my gosh, you know? So you're kind of screwed either way. So you might as well just go with what you as a school and district are less liable for you know if the kid is, is sick at and gets sick at home well that's not school's fault but if they're at school and there's a world pandemic going on i don't know you know it's 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 very very interesting situation mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. way
1: <laughs> yeah and i think that's one thing that definitely colleges um, are dealing with too, because I, I can tell you from personal experience, when one person gets sick in a residence hall, everyone gets it. And you know, we even nickname it the plague. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, they caught the plague, you know, but this mm-hmm. time it's like actually mm-hmm. catching the plague. <laughs> but John, uh, how do you feel that your are um, in a way, your teaching style or maybe the, the way that you teach has changed due to everything having to be virtual? Like, have you um, seen an, an interest in maybe topics or have you seen students get a a little bit more, uh, focused in class, or maybe they're a bit more distracted.
3: Well, uh, you know, back in March, you know, the Illinois state board, they said that, you know, you're, the kid is pretty much locked into their grade and you are assessing them and you're helping with their growth. But like, if I'm at a 90, well, I'm pretty much can only go up from there. So I already have my A as of March. So that for some students, it was a little bit of a struggle for keeping them engaged because, well, the the accountability necessarily wasn't there, you know, and so now I think there is going to be a high level of engagement and accountability because, you know, everyone's at the same, everyone's on the same grounds in that way in regards to grades. So, but for my style, you know, um, you know, I, I had no idea Zoom existed prior to this whole situation, you know, I just thought it was like FaceTime and Skype, but man, I mean, what a wonderful tool uh, Zoom has been. Um, We have not started school yet. So, um, but I have been tutoring a few times a week uh, and honestly just testing out a few things to see if it works. Um, Working on like writing uh, programs. uh, Screencastify is great. So there's, there's apps and devices out there variety is key and you know just really narrowing down that focus what are the essential skills that kids need to know so then if and when we come back um, we'll be able to start up right in, in a good place in that way yeah
1: And then moving forward, Naya, how do you feel that, you know, as a student, you're going to kind of take to this more, like, virtual sense? Like, you know, you're not in the classroom with these people, but you're in a virtual classroom, and now you have, like, different assignments and other things like that. Are there things that you're worried about or things that you're like, oh, no, I'm, you know, I got this?
0: Um, I sort of feel half and half. I am sort of worried about, because I know there's certain material that you have to learn, like... The only way you can learn it is just in person with your teacher just having and drawing out everything you need to know. So I have certain classes where I'm like, okay, this is a really hard class. I don't know how my teacher is going to be able to teach me all of this stuff virtually. But then on the other hand, um, I know earlier in the spring, there were a lot of resources for some of my class, like they cost money, you had to have a subscription. And with the pandemic, a lot of those services, they made them free and they made them really accessible. So I really took advantage of a lot of that stuff. Um, And with my AP test, it really, really, really helped me. Um, So I know those resources are still out there. So I'm still excited that I'm able to use that stuff, but also still worried about sort of am I still going to be able to learn and have a good education?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, because it's like, well, just like you said, that in-person touch to everything isn't there, so the teacher might not be as accessible. Like, yes, you have virtual office hours, but... Then, you know, what if a connection is bad? Uh, But I'm glad you brought up that idea and that question of resources because that's another question that uh, is ringing in the back of everyone's head. So, what do you do if students don't have all of these resources, i.e., laptops, or, you know, they don't have a fast enough uh, Wi Fi connection at home, or maybe they don't have Wi Fi uh, at home? What are some ways that you all are kind of working around that as professionals?
2: Well, uh, our district is making sure that that is not going to be an issue. So every single student, every freshman, sophomore, junior, senior has either an iPad or a Chromebook, okay? Uh, Of course, all of the teachers and administrators and staff already had laptops. Um, One of the things that we did ask parents when we were calling and, and they were taking the poll was if they had adequate internet service. If the answer was no or maybe, we made they, they documented that. Parents that said no, we are providing a hotspot for them so that that is not an issue. So, what we don't want is for lack of resources in terms of internet or Wi Fi or uh, a device to be a barrier to their education. So, that will not. Uh, be an excuse for any student at Southland. I mean, and, and, and I mean, and we're very lucky because uh, obviously not all districts can do that. Our juniors and seniors already had iPads, and they've had iPads for several years now. But because of this, uh, we have, you know, gone down to the sophomore and freshman level. Um, and I understand the elementary school district as well. Uh, all of those students are also getting Chromebooks. So it certainly is quite an expense. I mean, I can't imagine how much money it costs to do this. But when you think about it, we're not doing nothing else. I mean, there's no bus. Right. <laughs> there's no bus service, <laughs> there's no food service. Um, you know, all of the things that we would have spent money on last year, at least at Southland, uh, there was no prom, there was no uh, you know real graduation ceremony. Um, we did not spend money going to a, a state. <laughs> we did not spend money going to nationals. There were no sports going on. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of that money has just been redirected into, you know, making sure that our students have the devices uh, that they need for virtual learning.
1: Yeah, and then even moving forward, so teaching kind of like those performance classes, how is that going to work? So I know, John, you said you teach uh, intro to theater or a theater elective uh, at your school. How are you thinking of getting over that gap of, well, we're not in person, so you know, I can't make sure that you know, your knees aren't locked or you're not you know, doing all these other things. So how do you continue to build those kind of skills, but virtually?
3: You know, I still plan to do those kinesthetic activities and, and things like that. Maybe it's more on an, in like a couple small groups. Uh, And maybe not just like everyone, you know, and in my class, you get varied level of students. You're going to have experienced performers to students who are like, hey, I'm just interested in lighting and and tech work. And uh, another kid who's like, I I love theater, but I'm in sports and I got all this other stuff. And this is my outlet. This is my one creative outlet. So you really have a variety of kids. So what I plan to do is, you know, still do the uh, those kind of activities. Um, you know, the movement-based ones. But, you know, I plan on creating, like, a digital, um, you know, portfolio. Uh, You could still work on monologues and and auditions. And then also I'm going to kind of give a little bit of a mini history unit on, like, certain countries and their influence in theater and just kind of building off that and then work on some playwriting, the short scenes. So there's ways to do it. I'm going to take what they kind of want to learn and I'm just gonna kind of roll with it from there.
1: Yeah, Fresh, do you wanna uh, comment on that as well? Because I know you all are doing speech. Are you doing any speech right. virtually or?
3: Well, uh, we did have a
2: meeting with uh, Ben Stewart, who is the guru of Speechwire, uh, on Monday. <laughs> And uh, so he is already, of course, and we already knew he was doing this uh, in the pandemic. He had nothing else to do <laughs> uh, but figure out, okay, well, how am I going to earn gonna my money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how am <laughs> I going to earn a living during the pandemic? So um, he spent an hour and a half actually um, laying out uh, very different scenarios on on how we could uh, participate and host virtual speech tournaments. We don't quite know Uh, you know I think we're still waiting on the IHSA to you know tell us uh, is there going to be a state series if so when and and how will that look but in the meantime um, he certainly has laid out a a platform for us to have invitational speech tournaments so with that being said you know we actually have a uh, forensics class that is just for the speech team at Southland and so like every other class that will be held uh virtually, you know, there's a Google classroom for that class um, but the great thing about that is we have uh, uh at least about eight or eight or nine varsity members in that class who and of course you don't know this yet Naya, but <laughs> uh certainly Getting a little de- insider uh, gonna <laughs> depend on them a lot really to. Um, help with the instruction of that class in terms of, you know, breakout rooms and um, because what we have done, which we don't usually do, is we have also put uh, freshmen in that class and we don't normally do that. But uh, re- really is the only opportunity for them to get introduced to the class since they I mean, certainly there's no after school, so to speak, Uh, uh, where we would normally have meetings and we we would have, you know, practice sessions uh, with our novices. But uh, this is really the only opportunity where we can get uh, most of them, if not all of them, together. So for this year, we did uh, make that decision that we put freshmen in the class because we kind of knew this was coming. Uh, So the good thing about that is that they are in a class with varsity members who – can mentor them, Uh, we can, you know, put them into breakout rooms based on event or event categories, Uh, we can still go through the process that we would normally go through with them just virtually, Um, and because this is kind of a a predecessor to what the speech season is going to be like, you know, it's really appropriate that they kind of get used to getting coached virtually and performing virtually and, uh, you know, learning what those skills are going to be and how they're different from performing uh, in person because they certainly will be different. When we did have the National Speech Tournament, I did have two students that participated in that. And so leading up to the National Speech Tournament, I was coaching them virtually on Zoom. I mean, it was different, but um, it worked. You know, we had a finalist in the uh, poetry round, so uh, I, I guess it it still can work, and you know those students can still be successful even if we're not in person. So uh, I think it will be a challenge, but um, as I said, uh, thank goodness for the technology that we have that we can still have these types of activities virtually, and still give uh, st- uh, students that you know that outlet, you know, especially. You know, in this time, they, they need something that other than just going to a virtual classroom. You know, the fact that they can still participate in some of the activities uh, virtually, I think is going to, you know, help them definitely socially and emotionally because it's difficult, you know, it's hard. Uh, because especially, again, for seniors, uh, you know, the, the, we still don't know if they're going to have a real senior year.
1: Yeah, and I guess my biggest question out of all of that is, and I I think you can definitely speak to this being someone who's, you know, an upperclassman, is how do you continue to build this idea of community and creativity and ensemble with not only a team, but also a classroom, but, you know, keeping in mind this kind of like juxtaposition of like, oh, let's be an ensemble and close together, but also social distance, <laughs> you know? So how are you how are you navigating that and building those communities still? So
0: definitely when all of this originally happened, we, I was FaceTiming all the speechies. We were FaceTiming each other like every single day. Um, up until today, like if my phone rings, it's probably one of them. Um, we talk to each other every day. Actually yesterday I saw Two of my little buddies, um, we had a little six foot mask picnic in my backyard. So oh. we're still making sure we stay in touch with each other. We're always calling each other um, and just making sure that we stay um, really, really close. Creatively, I, I didn't tell phrase this. Well phrase may have known, but <laughs> <laughs> I was really bored when all this happened. So I competed in a NAACP competition. I was able to go to nationals. Oh. Um, oh not for wow. pre- Well no, yeah. That, um, well you did yeah. tell
2: me that you uh, because there was a, a a conflict originally. Yeah, so it worked out. But perfectly. obviously, after this all happened, there was no yeah, no conflict, <laughs> no conflict <Right>. at all. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: What competition was that? Was that yes, AXO? it was did AXO. A- yes. So yes. I didn't. I, com- yeah. I competed in Axel.
0: Yeah. So I was. I didn't make it, but it sort of shows another problem though, because I competed in Dramatics, Oratory, and then Biology, but with Dramatics and Oratory. I got bronze, so I didn't qualify for nationals for that. But on my critiques, she was like, you needed to project. And if you know me, I rarely ever have a problem with projecting. But in trying to go through a live Zoom meeting, um, it just was really hard to like get my message across. So that's definitely... Um, a way I was able to explore that creative side and just make sure I was still like with my speech because I really miss yeah. it. So that's how I've And been
1: then even preparing it. for, because correct me if I'm wrong, you said you were also on the speech team. Even preparing for speech, how are you getting your mind ready for that?
0: I've sort of been trying to draft maybe what speeches I want to do. I do a limited prep mm-hmm. event. So it's a new, oh. yeah, it's a new speech every time. So I've just really just been trying to absorb material. So i'm ready for that but i'm just trying to make sure i just stay creative and stay social because i know like as soon as i stop it just really gets really hard to get back acclimated with that creative side
1: that's very true (laughs) that's very 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 true something that also is kind of like looming in the air of everything that's going on right now is everything that's happening in our country with you know racial injustice and this whole move of making sure that people's voices are heard and everything. And I wanted to kind of ask the question of how do you think or the importance of anti-racism training or anti-racism um, knowledge and syllabus, syllabi in education and teaching and how you think that's connected in any way to COVID?
2: Well, I think it's very important. I do think that people, especially uh, teachers who um, teach students of color, uh, need to be more aware of their perspectives and what they're bringing to the classroom uh, when they're teaching students of color. Um, And I'm not sure that that is always um, of the utmost importance necessarily, and I do think it needs to be. I'll, I'll just give you an example, um, I became aware that a teacher in our building uh, was teaching African-American history who is not a person of color, and I did bring that to the attention of my superintendent so that that could be addressed, because that is definitely, uh, especially to me it was a problem anyway, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not sure why it wasn't addressed initially, I think uh, because the person was a new teacher and was taking over from uh, the teacher who did teach, it, who was a person of color. And I think it somehow ca- kind of got missed. But certainly now, in this day and age, that that is cer- certainly something that uh, cannot be missed or overseen or glossed over as uh, not being uh, an issue, you know. And especially in this time of, of COVID 19 because people of color seem to be more at risk for that, I think it's, again, even more important for people to be sensitive to what's going on in the African American community and Mm. the Hispanic community in terms of health and why our perspective may be a little different than yours. But to me, it's, it's, up to you to understand why it's different. And especially as an educator um, I think uh, it's important for you to um, take it upon yourself. If, if you are someone who has a lack of understanding of, of why uh, people of color feel a certain way or act a certain way or their actions Are depicting something else, it's up to you to understand why, because that's all based on
3: our history. Yeah, no, and for us, you know, at at Neuqua, you know, from an English perspective, it's like, we have been trying to get rid of the the dead old white guy books, you know, and and someone (laughs) for, okay, so... I, I am white. Is everyone yeah. still
1: reading of Mice and Man? Uh, no, well, <laughs> no. right? Replied. Yeah.
3: So, but you know what? And I think it's good to have a variety in the classroom, um, you know, and not just of, of African-American writers, but also like Asian-American writers. Right. And, you know, uh, the LGBTQ community, you know, in uh, one of my units, I teach the book uh, A Lesson Before Dying. And I use a lot of, you know, other articles and nonfiction supplementals with that go really well with it. But I don't stand up there and project like I know what it's like to be a black man. I don't, because I'm not. And I tell the kids that right off the bat. It's like you know, everyone has different experiences. I may never know what it's like to be a um, a black man, a, a Chinese girl, or someone who's gay. I, I don't know, but I can I can learn, I can empathize and, I, you know, and I, I can have a, a dialogue. And some people just don't wanna have a dialogue and some teachers don't wanna have a dialogue. You know, and I, I've, I've said this you know, many times that if you are teaching merely just plot, you're missing the point of literature. You're missing the point of a good book. It, a good book offers good perspectives and it, it could be a time capsule, it can be a, a mirror, it could be many things uh, to many different people. So, and from a theater perspective, you know, it's like you want to also try to, um, have a variety of productions that students can shine in, you know, and I'll open this up to you guys for characters that can be, you know, any race, you know, and not just very specific. Um, you know, and for, for me, it's like, well, I love raising the sun and (laughs) I teach it every year. I do. I teach it. Yeah. I teach it every year, but it's like, for me as a director, I'm like, well, you know, I don't know if I could put it on because, you know, it's like, if you don't, you know, get the, the right kids and whatnot, then it's like, well, I I, I'm, I'm not going to put on that show. So that's why I think it's like, Hey, you know what? It, It could be important. To have shows that it doesn't matter, you know, and I think that's a good thing, and that, you know, in that regard, and of course, it's a a very important to have, you know, plays that are centered around a certain community, and and things in that way, I'm not saying that, but it's like, from a high school perspective, it's not like, you know, you get the kids that you have in your school, right, and then past that, it's like, well, uh, okay, what what are we playing with here, where in a professional realm, it's like, you know, hopefully you, you don't get the same, maybe 30 kids or whatnot, you know? So it's it's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's an ongoing conversation an incredibly good and needed conversation with COVID. I think it made a lot of people pause and think because not a lot of stuff is going on. Well, all right. Now's, now's the time to have important dialogues. It's past COVID where you know once Mm -hmm. vaccines come Mm -hmm. out and everything Mm -hmm. where's the conversation now yeah and that that is essential
1: yeah and i'm I'm glad you said that because there had seemed to have been this huge wave of people just talking about all of these different issues that had to do with people of different communities and in my mind i was like why are they now talking about this like i've never seen you post anything like this and now you're shaking your head you're like yeah (laughs) i understand but but it seems that now since no one had anything to do, all they had to do now was listen. And once people started listening, they were saying, oh, we can actually hear these voices which have been here for hundreds of thousands of years that we have, that have been continuously oppressed and suppressed. Now it's all coming up. And I'm glad that you say it right after COVID is the most important time because, this time, if anything, is the time to start looking at constitutions, bylaws. You know, start thinking about how your company is structured. How who are you putting in power? How are you, you know, building people up who are coming in that are of color, and how are you giving people who aren't of color the tools to deal with people who are different from themselves? Um, it's just it's such an intricate time. Um, okay, so my last question I have for you all is. Um, it's a very, it's a very kind of like cool. Bring everything together. Is there a silver lining in any of this?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, if God can't get our attention any other way, mm. sometimes He has a. <laughs> he says, "I'm going to get your attention." Yeah. So here we go. Yeah. And so there's been no, no choice, for you know, especially when this all happened, for you to sit down, do nothing, and reflect, okay, on your life, your purpose, how you treat people, how you're treated, what is it that is most important, what is your priority, you know. There's been no reason not to sit down and reflect. Unfortunately, uh, and I say unfortunate because even as I've come back to school and, and started interacting uh, with some of my colleagues, it's obvious to me that there's been unfortunately no reflection. And uh, you'd have to be a hermit not to actually not look at the news and see what's going on. But it's also obvious to me that is that I don't think people uh, put themselves in those situations. Uh, they've not reflected on how do I create the problem or how do I contribute to this problem oh that's not me you know and so there's there's unfortunately still I think a lot of work to be done because um there's a there's still a lot of people in denial there's people in denial that that there's even a (laughs) COVID-19 I'm like which I'm like what is wrong with you are you insane? I was on the train,
1: and, <laughs> and no one was wearing a mask. Oh. And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh new car, yeah. please.
2: <laughs> and, and so, you know, unfortunately, I, we're going to be in this a lot longer because you still have those people who uh, don't think fat meat is greasy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that means, John? I, no. <laughs> 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 Ex- so, explain that to him, Josh. <laughs> you know, you see the meat.
1: You know it's fat, and you don't think it's greasy, but that's all the fat is—it's greasy. Oh. So, it's it's denying the the inevitable, denying what you know is true, the obvious gotcha. point of
2: The it obvious. All. Love that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and with with COVID and and everything, it's yeah. I, I think it's incredibly important to reflect. I think we move. Very fast, and in education, it's like you blink and oh, it's Thanksgiving. You blink and oh, yes. it's it's spring <laughs> break. Uh, spring break, and then it's the end of the year. Yes. And now it's like you know what? Um, what resources can I pull to better myself? Give my mm. kids the best experience that I can provide them that is meaningful and impactful. Mm. Um, and also, like like there's an academic rigor to it. Um, there's nothing wrong with things being a little hard and we see that with 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 technology right now and Mm. us trying to set set up this podcast and uh, (laughs) but you know what and i think sometimes it's like we we struggle and that's okay to struggle and we're going to struggle through it together i think that sometimes the best learning opportunities happen in 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 a classroom when when the teacher's kind of struggling through it too Because it shows that everyone's human, you know, and I think it's like important to show that, you know, hey, we as teachers and educators, we're struggling a little bit, too. We're rolling with it. Um, We have not forgotten about our students. And I hope that like students don't forget about us as teachers.
0: Um, I think for me, the silver lining for everything is COVID, I feel I sort of see it as like a magnifying glass, because I feel like I have nothing else to do, but just really just look at the people around me, especially with social media and phones, like, I feel like I have this big, big picture into the world. Um, And that can be negative sometimes, but for me, it's definitely been positive. I've been able, like a lot of me and my friends, we've looked at our teachers and we've seen them on social media. Some of them have been going to protest and things and others haven't. But um, it's really great with COVID, like they don't know we're doing this, but it's like a magnifying glass, getting to see our teachers, um, getting to see each other, just getting to see the world around us. Definitely, I hope it'll help me with college applications and everything like that, because I definitely feel like I feel more connected to the world mm-hmm. because we have no choice but to find some different way of communication. Yeah. So I'm hoping so far it's been great, but I'm hoping that that continues and it just stays positive.
1: Thank you. Thank you all so, so much. So many amazing words, so much wisdom um, that is a wrap you guys (laughs) thank you so much and thank you all of the listeners for tuning in to in the wings with ctc my name is joshua miller and this is theater and education you all take care and please remember to share and tell your friends about this thank you all